Blog Talk Radio. Hi, and welcome to the Real Estate Investor Goddesses podcast. I'm your host, Monique Hom. On this show, we interview incredible, badass real estate investing goddesses, women that are crushing it in the real estate game. And our guest today is certainly no exception. I'm super excited to introduce you to Tamar Mar. She's an entrepreneur, investor, speaker, and proponent of intentional lifestyle design. I love that. With nearly 20 years under her belt, working in the startup and small business arena, she took the plunge to launch her own business and invest in others. She often says that she is, quote, the CEO of her dreams and consistently focuses on ways to maximize business opportunities and generate enough passive income to be financially free and curate the lifestyle she and her family desires. Tamar has been investing in real estate since she was 19. Gosh, I wish I'd been investing that long. <laughs> that long. Uh, she purchased her first town home when she was a sophomore in college and has owned rental properties for over 15 years. From purchasing homes sight unseen on auction to fix and flips to large-scale renovation projects, she has a keen eye for evaluating deals for maximum returns. And more recently with her company, the Marota Group, her work has been focused on the acquisition of underperforming multifamily and commercial projects, where she works with her team to stabilize the assets and accelerate returns for her investors. She currently owns 115 units, and that's growing. And she's raised almost $2 million from investors so far. So that's awesome. Welcome, Tamar. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to have you. So I met, I met you through this group of women in real estate. There yes. a small group of us getting together to mastermind. And I'm so excited to introduce you to this real, the real estate investor goddess community. So you got started in real estate investing at 19, which is incredible. What got you started in real estate investing? Yeah. So back then I didn't actually consider it investing. I, <laughs> I was working full time as I worked my way through college. And at the time I was living with my mom and my friends were selling their house and it was a small town house. And I had a pretty good salary at 19 years old. And I thought, well, I'm ready to move out. Why don't I just buy a house? Cause that's what normal 19 year olds do and didn't give it a second thought. <laughs> and I just I decided to buy it. So I, and I actually, now that I think back on it, I've actually never said this on a, on a show before, but I rented out one of those rooms when I was there for, I only had that house for less than two years. Cause then I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sick of being hyper responsible. I want to go back to school, like be in school and be a real college kid. So I sold it. But um, during that time when I had it, I rented out one of the rooms to a friend of mine. She was another youth group leader that we were hanging out together. So I was kind of investing back then, but I didn't really think of it that way, you know? And then yeah. fast forward a couple years later, when my husband and I were married, we moved into our house. And for, I think it was like just a couple weeks after we moved in, I found out that I was getting a job promotion that would take us across the country. And we didn't want to sell our house that we just got. So we ended up renting that out for four years. And it was pretty sweet because the rent paid our mortgage and a lot of uh, what we were doing in Minnesota as well, our housing out there. And so that really got us hooked, but it was a while before we got another rental property. It was probably, well, it was five years ago from now. So that was probably 10 years after that first rental that my husband and I had. Okay. So then 
So you get a house and you move. So you rent it out. Yeah. What made you start five years ago? What made you go, okay, I want to get into this more. Yeah. Well, Bruce more, and more I, yeah. my husband, I call him Bruce Mars Superstar. So Bruce Mars Superstar <laughs> and I always talked about real estate because his family was huge into it all up and down the West Coast, all of his aunties and uncles and cousins and his parents, they were always investing in properties here and there and everywhere. So he kind of grew up with it a little bit in his family. His parents had a couple of rentals and it was totally foreign to me. And so every once in a while we'd say, you know, wouldn't it be cool if we had an apartment building, but it seemed so far off. Like we had no idea how you would save up a down payment for an apartment building. It just was completely out there. And so at the time I was, I was in the executive suite of a startup company for quite some time. And after working in small business and startups for nearly 20 years, I came to a point where I realized that if I can help other people build their businesses... I can do it on my own. And I'm a super type A driven person since I came out of the womb and I go after whatever and I, pretty much anything I go after I get because I'm just a bulldog about it in a nice way. <laughs> but, uh, and so at that point, I thought I want to start my own company, but I, it's not the right time for me to leave my job. So long story short, my husband and I were going over all these different concepts and we decided that I was going to start a real estate company. Basically, I was going to build an empire for us to live off of. Nice. So I got my real estate license and we started buying houses on auction, sight unseen, and we'd take our family there and we'd renovate them and turn them into rentals. And so we were doing about one house every nine months for that point for about three and a half years. And after that, I realized that it was just going to take us a really long time to reach my passive income goals. Because as you go along, as you learn more, you start off not knowing very much when you're investing in real estate. And then you start talking to everybody and you go to networking events and you listen to podcasts and then you learn a little bit more. And yeah. as I was learning more, my goals grew, my dreams grew bigger. And that made me realize that it was going to take an awfully long time if all I did was invest in single family houses. It would take years before we'd be able to replace our income. So yeah. that's where I decided to start a syndication business. And I left my job just a little over two years ago to pursue that and go full time into investing, into investing and leave the corporate world. Amazing. So now you're in syndications. And yes. so tell, tell me a little bit more about what your current investment focus is. Yeah. So right now I am focused on acquiring C-class value add properties, which means mm -hmm. I'm looking for properties that are maybe a little bit older. They need a lot of TLC because of deferred maintenance or just their age. So going in and doing rehab to those projects and rent repositioning. So we're able to add value by creating a nicer place to live for our tenants and then increasing the rents to go along with it. So I've done everything from really simple, you know, like paint and maybe new blinds and a new roof to full on rehab, including, you know, new parking lot, new windows, new roof, new exterior paint, and then complete gut job of every single unit to the yeah. tune of maybe about, you know, $15,000 a unit. So that's what we've been looking at acquiring. I acquired two properties my first year and two properties last year. And then this year I'm looking at taking down $20 million worth of real estate. So I'm looking at bigger projects this year versus right. before I was just looking at properties that were up to about $2.5 million in value. Okay. And what markets are you investing in? 
Well, I've invested a little bit in different places. So in the state of Washington, I've purchased three properties. However, I've purchased in Eastern Washington, which is about four and a half hours away from me. There's a couple of major hubs in Eastern Washington and also mm -hmm. about an hour south of Seattle is another one of my communities. And I will not touch Seattle with a 10 foot pole because it's just, it's a very strong appreciation play. And I'm there for the combination of cash flow and appreciation. And yep. you can't find the cash flow in a major metro hub like Seattle that's, it's growing and thriving, but there's so many people pouring their money in there that the cap rates are super condensed. And sometimes you have to go in with, you know, 50% down on a property in order yeah. to be able to debt service on it. And then that just ruins your returns. So that's why I'm staying away from Seattle. Plus it's one of the most liberal tenant friendly communities in the entire country. Mm -hmm. I think it is the most liberal. It's extremely unfair to landlords. And so that's another reason not to touch that. But in addition to that, I have a property in Ohio and that happened through actually through the podcasting community and the, the multifamily community across the United States that I connect with a great connection through there. So I partnered with somebody on the ground in Ohio. And then I've recently also taken a scouting trip to Arizona and I just flew down there to meet with brokers and property managers and contractors and people that could help me build out a team because I was hearing some great things about Phoenix and Tucson. So we're now looking at expanding our footprint into that area as well. Beautiful. Love it. So what you've been doing is, is awesome. Definitely. That's, it's a similar play that we do too. And you yeah. see class and you value add. One of the things that I've realized is that you learn so much more from your mistakes than you do from when, from when things go well. So what yeah. would you say has been your biggest mistake so far in your real estate investing career? And what did you learn from it? So I don't think I have any huge mistakes and I'm a big believer that I'm exactly where I am because of everything that I've done in my past, good or bad. Mm -hmm. And I'm also, it's, oh, I'm going to tell you about a mistake I made yesterday because it stressed me the heck out, Monique. It was okay. so stressful. <laughs> and this is the type of stuff and for a little background on it is, so for the longest time I was a one woman show and last year towards the tail end, I hired somebody to help me with marketing and PR. And then this year I hired somebody to help me with acquisitions and asset management. So I'm just now getting to the point where I'm going to be able to offload more of my work. When you are a one person show, when you're a solopreneur, you do everything, right? Yes. Everything. And so of course I outsource like my books and my taxes and that kind of stuff as well. But um, it's really easy to drop the ball on something there's always something that you can drop the ball on whether or not you think you're going to cover everything. There's always little details and some of the details matter less than other ones. So yesterday <laughs> I get a letter in the mail from my, an escrow company and it says your note is due on April 1st and yesterday was February 5th. Okay. And this is on a property that I have seller financing on an apartment community in Eastern Washington and I was like, oh my gosh, what did I do wrong? Why are they calling the note? I swear, I have 18 months on this. I know I have 18 months on the seller financing, which would have pushed me to like the middle of May. And that matters because I'm putting that property up for sale because we've renovated it and we're ready to now make a great return on it. We're putting it up for sale at the end of this month, probably. Okay. 
So I called the escrow company and they said, no, sure enough, your note expires on April 1st. And I thought, how did I miss that detail? How did I miss that one little detail? And it's only six weeks of difference. But what that means is if I didn't have an alternate plan B on backup financing or getting an extension with my seller financing, what can happen? Well, your property can go into foreclosure. Yeah. <laughs> right? And I was so freaked out yesterday because I'm really hard on myself and I don't like making mistakes. And it was a tiny, tiny, tiny detail that was six weeks. So luckily I called up um, the sellers and I said, you know, basically I was like, I made a mistake. I thought we had till this long. I'm humbly asking for, you know, for an extension of four months. I, I plan on paying it off sooner than that because we're selling the property for a nice profit, blah, blah, blah. And they graciously extended that this morning. But I just want to say that because when, <clears throat> excuse me, when we do start out as investors, so many of us start out by ourselves and we don't know yeah. what we need to know. And every single week something happens to me where either I don't know what I need to know, so I need to find the answer. And I think the number one best thing you can be in this business is resourceful. 100% resourcefulness is the number one asset, right? Yes, I agreed. Yes. And so there's always something that you don't know. So you could view lots of little things as mistakes all the time, but there's, it's also really easy to miss things because of what you didn't either because just of a detail like that one that I missed that was six weeks or, um, that could could be a big problem. Yeah. Or, (laughs) um, you know, like you don't know what you don't know when you're getting into this. And so that's why it's so important to surround yourself with other people. And, you know, it's, tough to admit those types of mistakes. There's been another time where I I didn't have a written contract for a contractor before we closed on a property. We had a verbal and we had talked to him several times. I had met him in person and we were pushing, pushing, pushing to get the written, but we weren't able to get the written contract by the time that the property closed. After the property closed, he came back and said, oh, I'm going to charge you $200,000 more for that same scope of work. And, you know, I didn't have it. So I had to go search for it. I was like, thanks, but no thanks, friendly contractor. I'm not going to run with that. So I had to look for another contractor. So that was like, okay, get everything in writing all the time. It doesn't matter what it is. So I learn things all like every day. (laughs) Yeah. So with the, with regards to the date one and having the date wrong, what, what was the lesson you learned there? You know, Actually, I was telling my husband this morning is that I, it just reminds me that I'm not perfect and I have always shot for perfection. And I think a lot of us ladies do that. Yeah. (laughs) And yeah, it was just a really good reminder that I'm not perfect and that it's okay to admit your mistakes and then go and just search for a way to make it work uh, with gusto. So like yesterday I was, I was problem solving like nobody's business, you know, and, and that's what I do. And when I come across things like that, that just forces me to be a better problem solver, yeah. but it never feels good to admit the mistakes. But that's, I think that's the biggest thing takeaway that I learned from that. It's just a reminder that I'm not perfect and I need more people on my team to help me, you know, maybe, maybe it's with systems or whatever. I mean, I still need to think through that one a little bit. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was a pretty fresh wound. <laughs> oh, well. Luckily, you know, <laughs> I've only ever had seller financing the one, the one time on that one, and everything else is a note. So you get these statements every month, and you don't necessarily yeah. get that with seller financing. And so I don't know. 
I'll be thinking about it. Yeah. Well, there are a couple of couple of lessons I'm I'm getting from that. A just the importance of having team and having systems. That's definitely made a difference for me. Having other people backing it up because I am not always a detail person, and yeah. and so having somebody who partnering or having people that work with you that are really good with the details, that's helpful to me. And then having systems and checklists so that. And there can be so many systems and checklists that you have for everything. And like, I have crazy checklists for so much of my business, like hundreds of items. And it's easy. It's just really easy to miss something when you don't have a couple of different sets of eyes. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. For sure. Mm -hmm. Another thing that you said that was so good is, you know, the importance of getting education because it's often not even the things that you... Like, you know, you don't know, but the things you don't know, you don't know the problem, right? You run across uh, that all the time. You're like, oh, I didn't know that I was supposed to know that. Yeah. It's like, I didn't even know to not know that I (laughs) That's the worst. Yeah. And that's whenever I've gotten education and I've invested on it, it's like, oh, like, that's a thing? I didn't know that. You know, it's like, not even that I not, you know. So that universe of things you don't know, you don't know, that's what's really could get you in trouble. And don't you think that some, it's not like in a classroom that you necessarily learn those things. Oftentimes I learn those just with connecting with other investors or through stuff that happens in my business on a daily basis when you're trying to problem solve. Yeah. Well, you definitely learn it when you make mistakes and then you learn it. Uh, Hopefully you learn it by having, so it's helped me to have mentors and other people I can talk to. And I, I actually learned a lot doing this podcast and asking people, what, are, what was your biggest mistake? And um, learning that way, because, you know, we learn from other people's mistakes and hopefully we can avoid doing them ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So the flip side, though, of this mistake question is, what are you most proud of? I am most proud of my family. I feel like I do everything that I do despite how driven I am. And I've always been very driven. I do what I do now in a, such a way that it comes back to me being able to spend as much time with my family as possible. And like the last two days, I told you before we were recording, we had snowmageddon in Seattle. Okay. And, it, and there was like six inches, which doesn't seem like much to many of you, maybe in the Midwest or, you know, Northeast or something, but six inches in Seattle, are you kidding? It shut down the city. And so there was no school. And on Monday afternoon, I just went on like a two hour stroll with my daughter because I can, because I work for myself, you know, yeah. and I, I really love the adventures that I have with them. That's, that's what I'm here for is my family. From a professional sense, I would say I most recently, I feel like I'm most proud of how far I've come in less than two years in this business that I created from the ground up. And that is evidenced by just, you know, the last four months or so, all the people that have been asking me to speak at events and just kind of mentor them or the investor network that I've built up and people that are placing their trust in me. And it's that, that is evidence of all the hard work that happens that goes on behind the scenes that nobody sees at all. Nobody sees all of the phone calls that you make and the emails and the letters in the mail and the gift and the value add stuff that you provide to people. Nobody sees all that silent work. What did they see? Like, I've got this deal. We're putting, we're closing on this deal. Yeah. 
that's about it. And so all of these little intangible things that you feel like you're not getting paid for, which you're not, you don't get paid for them for years, you know, just as a, an accumulation of all the work you've done. And then eventually it starts just revealing itself on how great this is. That, And so I've had a lot of reflective moments recently where I've just been super grateful for that, that like what I'm doing is working. This is so great. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. Building a business by yourself is, I think it's a blast. I'm having a really fun time with it. And you're also homeschooling two of your kids at the same yes. time. Yeah, I homeschool. Yeah, two of them. And then next year I'll be homeschooling all three of them. We're, we're building a house right now on an island about an hour south of Seattle. And it's on like four acres. And we're going to build a farm with like horses and goats and like from the ground up. Wow. And so we're just going to be a weird family that goes and lives in the country. And I homeschool my kids and I do real estate investing. And yeah, it's all good. That's <laughs> awesome. I love it. That's so cool. And this reminder, because a lot of people forget this, that real estate investing is a business. It is a business. And so the more you can think about it as a business, the more successful you will be. So a lot of people don't think about it that way. But unless you are passively investing in, you know, in somebody else's syndications, then you have a real estate business. And the more you can learn and you think about it that way, the better off. So. Absolutely. I talk about that to people often and I and say that very thing that I treat it as a business, not a hobby. Because this is not a hobby because I'll tell you what, it's not fun all the time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Most <laughs> hobbies are fun all the time. And when you're trying to build up something that's going to replace your income or your family's income and build generational wealth, that is not a hobby. It's not. Uh, it takes very, very intentional focus in order to make you be successful enough to reach those goals. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. So to what do you attribute your success? Ooh, I'm very steadfast in pretty much everything that I do. I've run several marathons in my life and I feel like even that training alone was like, you know, when you run, when you don't want to run, you go out and run a 20 mile run when you don't want to run because you yeah. know that you have 26 miles to run in four weeks and you have to be able to reach those 26 miles. And so I think that's a little bit of my personality where every day I don't have anybody telling me what to do, but I have massive goals. I have annual goals. I break them down into quarterly, monthly, um, weekly and daily. And I stick to all those like crazy. And I'm my hardest critic if I don't get those done. And yeah, that's intense, but whatever. <laughs> so that's, that's one thing is steadfastness goals. And then my morning time is phenomenal. So every day I invest between two and three hours in myself before I interact with anybody else. I, my alarm goes off at 445. I get up and I study for an hour and it depends on what I want to study. It could be any subject. I do a gratitude exercise. I journal. Sometimes I meditate or pray. Um, and then I go out and I exercise for between 60 and 75 minutes every morning. On the weekends, it's usually longer exercise, maybe upwards of three or four hours. But during that time, it gives me things to think about as I'm studying. I reflect on it in my journaling and gratitude time. And then when I go out and do my movement, it's a moving meditation that I have every morning where a lot of creativity comes to me and breakthroughs. 
which I couldn't think of if I had everything coming my way from everybody that has intentions for me that are not my own. So that yeah. sets me up every single day for just a phenomenal, phenomenal day. And sometimes I wake up and I'm feeling tired and groggy. And by the time I'm done with that, boom, I'm ready to just conquer the world every day. I love it. I I have a good hour and a half to two hour morning ritual that I do too. And it is life changing. It is Isn't so it the best thing. Yeah. What do you do for years? Tell me. What do I do? Yeah. Um, I normally will start, uh, I do a three morning pages. So I just do stream of consciousness writing and then I'll do a meditation. So about 20 minutes. And then I go through and I ask certain questions. I go through you know, just the, focus my day and gratitude and celebrations and desires and what went great yesterday what could have been better what am I going to do today so I, I have this series of questions and I do some study or reading some something for personal or professional development yeah. and then I will exercise yeah yeah so, so sometimes I'll have to get my daughter ready for school I go to school and then I go to the gym but part of my morning routine is an exercise so right yeah oh. Love yeah, it. love, yeah, so good, so good. <laughs> so good. It is life-changing though, it is. Once, yeah. I bet you remember when you started doing that, and mm -hmm. when I started doing that, that's when I feel like my life completely just took off. So uh, the morning pages I've been doing since 2001, but then adding this, all of that, which I actually got from the Miracle Morning by Hal yep. Elrod. Yeah. So that I started um, maybe la around last May, mm -hmm. and it has been exponential growth in my business and the thing, you know, since I started doing that. Yeah. It's been really intense. In a good way. On. Yeah. That. So what advice do you have for a woman who's just starting out in this field? I don't think I would have any different advice for a woman versus a man. Um, right. Anybody then. I'd say the number one thing is be crystal clear on what it is that you want to go after. So have clarity in whatever it is that you want. Number two, have confidence. I talk to a lot of people about that. If you don't have confidence in yourself, people are not going to believe you and your vision. Yeah. Just, there is no vision without confidence in yourself because people are not going to buy into it, what you're trying to achieve. And number three is talk to everybody you know. And you have to feel comfortable doing that as well. And that's, it's funny. I actually talk to strangers way more than I talk to people like on the baseball fields and whatnot, you know, <laughs> about what I do. But that means, you know, getting out and going to more networking events and being connected with people that are your tribe. The very, yeah. the first couple of times that I went to um, real estate networking events, I, I felt a little bit out of place because I hadn't, I hadn't quite crystallized my plan. Once I did crystallize my plan, it became like going and you're like, oh, I go in here and people understand what I, what it is that I want to accomplish. It was the same way when I went to a Tony Robbins conference almost two years ago, the first one. And I was in the room with 9,000 people. And the whole time I was like, I'm in my tribe. I love this. Everybody in this room gets me. Everybody wants to be better. Like you're just in a room of 9,000 people and everybody wants to be better. It's such a fantastic feeling. And so if you can surround yourself with other folks that want to be better at whatever it is you're doing and then talk to them about it, I think it's really empowering. Because otherwise, if you're talking to people that don't get what you want to do and they're Debbie Downers and they, <laughs> you know, it can, yeah. it can break you down. 
That's so true. Whenever I go to real estate events, I always feel, you know, and it's like all different people from all over the place. And, but I always go, these are my people. (laughs) This is my job. Like I feel just such a kinship with other real estate investors. It's just, you just get each other. I get them. I feel gotten. Yeah. I feel gotten. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And what do you wish you'd known at the beginning that you now know? Um, nothing. No, no, I don't. I, and it's like somebody asked me the, a couple weeks ago, if you had, if you weren't where you are right now and you had this piece of information that we were talking about, how would you blah, 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 blah. And I answered that by, I'm exactly where I am in this room having this conversation today because of everything that has ever happened to me, good or bad. And I feel like things have been revealed to me when they were supposed to be revealed to me or amazing breakthrough conversations have happened when I was right to receive those conversations. Yeah. And no, I, I think things happened for me a lot faster than they happened for other people because I was so intentional, uh, intentional about making it happen and treating it like a business like we talked about. But I think there's so much information out there that everything you need to know is available to you and you just need to go find it. So when I had a certain question, then I would look it up or call somebody or email somebody or listen to a new podcast about that subject. And so when I needed to know it, I would find the answer to it. That's a great perspective. (laughs) So thank you so much, Tamar. Before we get into our famed end of show Trinity, which is our brag of gratitude and desire. Yeah. What is the best way for people to reach you and find out more about what you do? Sure. I have a podcast called Investing for Life. It's the crossroads of entrepreneurship, investing, and intentional lifestyle design. And that's at investingforlifepodcast.com or my website, marodagroup.com as well. I have a contact form on there and you're welcome to reach out. Beautiful. All right. So thank you. And for the Trinity... What's one thing you're celebrating right now? What's one brag? I'm celebrating. There's too many things. Do I only get to do one? (laughs) I know. I know you have, you, we could have a whole other hour, two, three, four hours celebrating all the amazing things going on in your life. And Uh, just pick one juicy one. Just one. Okay. Related to real estate. I am super excited on, I'm finalizing a contract right now with an off market student housing complex. It's 173 units and it's about a $10 million property. So that should be finalized within the next couple of days here. So that's pretty exciting. Yay. Well bragged. (laughs) And what is one thing you're grateful for? I'm super grateful for breaking ground on the house that we're building on Fox Island. And on, on tomorrow, we're meeting with our excavators and we're staking out the corners of our house and they're digging the hole for our foundation next week. It's really so exciting. exciting. Yeah. That's beautiful. And uh, what's one thing you desire? Mm, I desire to be, my personal mission is to be a consistently a source of joy, encouragement, and inspiration to others. And then every day I also tell myself that I lead with love. And if I could do nothing else than achieve those things in life, it would be, it'd be a pretty good one. Mm. Well, so shall your desire be or so much better than you can imagine under grace and perfect ways. Well, thank you. That was awesome. Um, For you listening, you can connect with Tamar at investingforlifepodcast.com or Marota Group. 
And you can connect with me at reigoddesses.com. Join our amazing community of real estate investing goddesses from all over the world. Now I think we're in 15 different countries, which is so cool. Um, And get all sorts of freebies and and goodies on there too. So reigoddesses.com and join us next time for another amazing real estate investor goddess interview. Thank you. Thanks.